We are Unseen Artists, and we are giving the stage to underrepresented voices. I'm Courtney. And I'm Noelle. And this week, we dive into the comedic genius that is Monty Python's Spamalot, a musical comedy ripped off from the motion picture Monty Python and the Holy Grail, in case you wanted to know the full name of the play. Obviously it just only goes by Spamalot. Yes, I thought you might. Um, and for those of you who are not familiar with Spamalot and or Monty Python and the Holy Grail, it is a story of King Arthur rallying up his um, his knights to go look for a Holy Grail on God's orders. And chaos ensues. And it's Stop it. hilarious. It's the best day ever. So it originally premiered on Broadway March 17th of 2005. And it ran to January 11th, 2009 at the Schubert Theater, which is where Someone Like It Hot just left and Hell's Kitchen will soon be. It did play on the West End first, but this was the first Broadway premiere. Mm -hmm. Um, Because as Eric Idle said, Broadway's where you get your dollars. So that's what really matters. So (laughs) that's... uh, Book and lyrics are by Eric Idle. You may know from Monty Python, the comedic duo, well, quadruple. And he, so he came up with this based off of the Holy Grail. He's also known for creating the concept for Suzical the Musical. Um, I didn't know that. I have not seen it. He didn't do like books and lyrics. He is just the concept for it. Um, Interesting. I have seen it a couple of times. I have not, but I bet I'd love it. I love Dr. Seuss. Um, you probably would love it it is not my favorite show it's fun mm-hmm. but you know you know i like a sad you know french drama you, you know sure yeah sure um so again he's known for monty python he's known for the parody band the rudels uh spam a lot and the simpsons i don't know why very specifically the simpsons was his next highest thing to be known for but that's okay um, the music was done not only by Eric Idle, but also by John Dupre, John Deprez, John Dupree, it's P-R-E-Z, and he is known for Spam a lot, and he did the music, he did a lot of film and cinema music, but very specifically he did the 90s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film music, so what a time What a career! Life. What a career! What a career. Yeah. It was nominated for 14 Tonys in 2005. Um, It only won three, but it won Best Musical, Best Performance by a Featured Actress in a Musical by Sarah Ramirez, and Best Direction of a Musical by Mike Nichols. Um, It did also that year win a Grammy for the Best Musical Show Album. So, raking them in. Raking them in. And, uh, over the years, it's had a lot of notable cast. In the show we just saw, of course, it had um, James Monroe Eagleheart. It had um, Alex Brightman. My best friend. Um, Chris Fitzgerald, Michael Urie. Like, there's a plethora of yeah. people. Um, what I did not know was for the original cast, Tim Curry played King Arthur. Oh, uh. And David Hyde Pierce played Sir Robin. Oh, which I did not know. And I those are both. I didn't realize that either. Well, I knew that Tim Curry was the original uh, King Arthur, but I didn't know um, oh. about Frazier's uh, yeah. brother. Brother, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> so what a time. So this show, I I was familiar with Monty Python and the Holy Grail, but Spamalot is new to me. So what has your experience been with Spamalot? So I became familiar with some of the music through like just a musical review that we did at a theater that I worked with a long time ago. Um, We did like a um, like fundraiser type thing where it was just a bunch of different songs from different shows and things. And they did the song that goes like this as one of the numbers uh, two of my friends did. And I was like, oh, my God, this is hilarious. And so I listened to the music, but I had never actually seen it. Um, So this was my first time seeing it. And I had seen 
Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I, I've seen it quite a few times, but it had been a long time. So, um, but I didn't realize that that it was that Spamalot was based so closely on that or that it was based on that at all. I just knew that it was like a kind of funny show. So I was surprised when we went and saw it and it was so closely aligned and I didn't even realize how closely aligned it was because it had been so long since I'd seen it yeah. until I got to some of those like really really notable um I thought that they were just mm -hmm. kind of like some lines and things like, like that thrown in there. yeah yeah until there was like the scene um uh we are the knights who say knee yeah which is like I, my favorite scene ever and I don't know why I just think it's so funny um it's so and so funny. It's that scene that I was like, oh, this is like exactly that scene. Um, and so that, and then you had mentioned to me too, you're like, oh no, some of this is like word for word. Like I, yeah. And so um, it was only just rewatching it again today. I rewatched that movie um, that I was like, oh yeah, I forgot how much like random stuff is in it, you know? Like, I think I had I think I had thought that some of those bits were like from other movies or something like that, you know? Because it's just like so many different things that are kind of like yeah. drawn or into this one. Well, that is the genius of Monty yeah. Python is yeah. compiling all these skits into one thing that's because they have multiple movies that are similar and then they also have the like, right. um, like sketch comedy-esque shows. Um, that are broken down more but yeah no we were there and I was like <clears throat> I thought I was like okay yeah this is from the film yeah this is from the film and then it got to a point where I was like this is too much coincidence for it not <laughs> to be like directly from the film like I remember yeah. like at least 20 lines they just said <clears throat> so but well, yeah and there's so. the the witch scene too which is like my other favorite mm -hmm. scene about like if she weighs the same as a duck, then, and, you know, and she floats, because wood floats, and whatever, however it goes, like, um, if uh, she weighs the same, then, then she must be a witch, or whatever, and, right. uh, and so that's, like, a really funny, like, little bit part that I really like, too, but it's funny, because they really did, while they took so many of these pieces, like, word for word from it, they also you know, added things, which I didn't realize because I was more familiar with the songs that are more like, that are like more theater specific that were very clearly added for the musical. Like yeah. the song that goes like this and um, how to succeed in show business or, or you can't succeed in show business. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, what happened to my part, you know, like things like this that are like very, they're very theater, you know, they're not, yeah. the monty python movie um and the whole lady of the lake concept which i was like oh she's not in the monty python the holy grail which she's not um she's not. no that's correct but you know that's uh a whole added uh bit which is fun because she's just hilarious i love that part um but yeah so i was like yeah. I, I was more familiar than i thought i was with it but i was also confused as yeah. uh, somewhat as usual with me so you know it's fine <laughs> i've i don't remember anything ever but this movie is one thing that seems to have just like stuck in my head for all of life like i probably have not seen this film in 10 years and somehow this is the thing that i can like quote you word for word like it just who knows it's good stuff um but while we're talking about the music um i have some fun facts about the music for you and uh, yes and quick, we know we love quick little ones. game Oh, okay. Um, okay. I know. So you be ready. You just think that over. Um right. so as we mentioned, some of the songs are not only from the musical, but they were brought in from the Monty Python world, which is why I recognize some of them because I did not know the musical. Yeah. Um, so of course, the big number always look on the bright side of life. That's from the show Life of Brian, was written by Eric Idle. It is the name of his autobiography, um, which I'm currently listening to. So it is just spread out that's there. like the one that everybody knows immediately yeah. and i think that that's one of those where i was like and it was the same thing for me as i'm sitting there and i go that's from this yeah because no it's not but it's in it mm -hmm. you know 
but it's not from yeah. you know that that we all know it elsewhere right and i think i've only seen life of brian like once but like i know this song <laughs> so i don't, I don't think i've seen it um, but i think it's been um i think it's been uh made famous by like people performing yeah. it it has been yeah. um and so there are other songs that were brought in from the universe the finland song was oh. written by michael palin and that was actually from one of i don't know i don't think that was from holy grail but it was from one of the other monty python adventures both knights of the round table and brave sir robin are from the holy grail and neil ennis wrote those um so they're credited in the liner notes but they're not necessarily credited in music for the show okay and then yeah i recognized the one um does it that counts as a song right where they're like singing following him around yeah that's brave talking Sir about how he's mm-hmm. running away okay yeah, 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 yeah that's what i thought um yeah, yeah i was um, like i recognize this this is funny <laughs> oh gosh it's so good it's so oh gosh eric idol's so funny in that movie i i also rewatched it on sunday but i had just seen it a lot before um, so now I have two songs that they switch up sometimes in shows, depending on how they want to do it. So the first one is All Alone. They don't always call out Patsy. Like sometimes they just completely ignore him, even towards the end. But in the in the version we watched, they called out and they were like, Patsy's here. And he's like, what? No, he's family. And I thought that was so much better than just like That's cute. completely ignoring. This is so cute. And then... You won't succeed on Broadway or you won't succeed without any Jews or whatever, how to be successful on Broadway. They Mm. changed that for territories that don't have a lot of Jewish people to be, you won't succeed on Broadway without um, successful productions. And so they have this whole cast that comes out on the stage. So instead of having like the Jewish, um, famous Jewish Broadway people in the like lights and stuff, they Uh have the cast come out in different characters so they have like a cat from Cats. They have Kaniki from Greece. They have Kim from Miss Saigon, The Phantom, and Velma Kelly from Chicago. Um, oh, that's funny. The most notable one is in South Korea, but there's a few different ones. But that's that's how they get around that when there's not any Jewish people in the area. And so obviously Broadway doesn't have that problem. So, well, that's the joke. I know it's so funny. But so interesting. I thought that was extremely random. Um, and so now for your game, oh, a I'm lot ready. of the show's songs that were written for this show were meant to be like references and calls to other Broadway songs and or shows. Okay. So I want you to try and guess what they are referencing. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. So the song that goes like this, mm-hmm. what, what do you think? Where do you think it came from? Well, it's any, um, like, ballad. That's the joke. Is that it always, it there's always the romantic ballad duet between the two ingenues. Yeah. And it's very specifically a call out to Andrew Lloyd Webber Productions, which they have Oh, a like lot of going them. high and, and changing uh-huh. key at a certain point. Yeah. Because they all follow they the same kind of formula. Like, lines sometimes that, like joke about andrew lloyd Webber. they're like it's not andrew lloyd Webber play like in different versions and stuff like yeah. not just with this song but throughout the play um i recently so, this is a tangent i recently yeah. watched um the musical or like theater episode of south park which i didn't even realize that they had done a south park like musical episode yeah so my friend john had me watch it when i was over at his place because he was like oh you'll enjoy this because you're like a theater person and um and so played it for me and it was so funny because they have um characters in it like they write their own musical or whatever because apparently the the joke running throughout it is that the guys are like oh yeah you have to take your wife to see a musical because then she'll give you a blowjob and so then they write their own musical that they're going to perform and see that's basically about how women want to give blowjobs. And um, it's it's really funny. Uh, and uh, but there are there are characters of Andrew Lloyd Webber, uh, Stephen Sondheim, 
uh who's the other one uh steven schwartz i think did this just come yeah. out like a couple years ago because I, I don't like know I remember, or at least someone was talking about it recently even if it didn't just come out I don't know if it just came out, but it's probably still like somewhat recent, like yeah. within the last, it probably is within the last few years. Um, but what was so funny is whoever did the voice um, and did whoever like came up with the illustration, right? For Andrew Lloyd Webber is I was like, this is just so perfect. Like he looked exactly like Andrew Lloyd Webber, but like as a, as a, uh, south park you know cartoon yeah. type but looked just like him and sounded just like him it was so it probably funny was him, right i have no idea i bet it was a lot of people that go on there and have their characters like portrayed of them they actually go in and do the voice for it too for south park and the simpsons i wonder because my what john told me was that there was a joke that they um the reason what it came from or like where where the idea came from was that um the three of them in particular in addition to some other like notable musical writers um were like shit talking the book of mormon <laughs> um yeah. and so that this was their like <laughs> response to that of them like shit talking the book of mormon um after it was like really really popular so I don't know if it actually would have been them or not. I, I guess I could have like looked this up or something like that. But I only just thought of it right now. As most of my tangents come along, as I just think of them. <laughs> the okay, I was trying to look it up for you. And I'm apparently not doing a great job. That's okay. But um, yeah. So, oh, here it is. I can I found it. Let's see if they're in the cast. Not listed. Kate Pizak plays all the Broadway actors, I guess. That's, there's only five people credited in this cast. Yeah. That's really funny. Okay. Oh, yeah. And Elton John. I forgot it was Elton John also. That's hilarious. I'm not always a huge South Park fan, but I might go watch that one. Yeah, there are some. I find it. I find it funny, like hit or miss kind of funny. Yeah. Um, some things I think are really funny and some things I think aren't, you know, and my I have a very particular sense of humor. But some of their humor is very intelligent. And so that's why yeah, I, you know, they have a lot of yeah. levels in it, which is nice. Um, but some of it is just like, it, it's too far. And I think that that's one of the things that like, they really went very base level with Book of Mormon. And I think that's why I don't like it. Um, mm. But I don't know. My dad said maybe I saw a bad production. I should probably like try to see it again before I can't come up with like a real opinion on it. Because I really hated it. And, like, a lot of people that I talk to that, like, I usually have similar, like, my dad and I usually have very similar, and he mm -hmm. loved it. And, like, my cousin loved it. Like, all these people who, like, normally, if it was really, really bad, they would have been like, oh, yeah, I hated it, too. So he's like, you could have just seen, like, maybe not a great production of it, or maybe they, like, folk, but I don't know. I, I don't know. My mom really wants to see it, so maybe I'll finally take her instead of, like, doing what I normally do, where she's like, I want to see Book of Mormon, and I'm like... Cool. I'm going to take you to this what like way this more important different show that I want to see that I know you're going to like anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, Like for colored girls yeah. and adults. Right. <laughs> and some like yeah. it hot. These are all shows that I've taken my mother to see instead of <laughs> seeing Book of Mormon because I'm like, mm, no. Uh, yeah, but yeah. That's fair. <laughs> anyway. That's funny. Um, so, number two, whatever happened to my part? I feel like I need to listen to clips of this of these songs to to know what. Well, it's not necessarily that they're taking the music; they're referencing, like. Yeah, but I don't remember. Oh. What they're saying. Well, it's reminiscent of. Is the, I'm telling you, I'm are not there multiple going. choices? No, because I just told oh. you the answer. I'm telling you, I'm not going <laughs> from what. From Dream Girls. Oh, I don't know Dream Girls. Oh, well, then you wouldn't have got that one anyways. I don't know Dream Girls either, but um I've seen the movie, then, but I don't I don't really know it, know it. I also haven't seen the movie, but that's okay. Heard oh. it was great. Um it is. It's and good. then they Jennifer Hudson have I love her. Yeah. And then they have dances that are reminiscent of other shows. And the very obvious one, of course, is Fiddlers on the Roof. Oh, um, yep. 
Did you pick up on the other one by any chance? Maybe. It was uh, reminiscent of West Side Story. And it says they do have oh. some bits of music that are reminiscent, but I don't know West Side Story enough to know that. I do. I would have. Need, I feel like I should have listened to the soundtrack like right before. Mm, yeah. Or like the or the cast album right before we recorded this. And I might have been able to be better at answering these. It's okay. That's all. It's, the, the other ones are very easy. There's I think I did. Character. I. I, I did notice a lot of references to things like in it, but I'm trying, it. I can't remember all of them like off the top of my head now, a few weeks yeah. later. Well, the last few are a little more obvious. Like the character of Sir Not appearing in the show is dressed as uh, Don Quixote when he comes out. So that's oh, obviously yep. a reference to Mon of La Mancha. Um, mm-hmm. There's an, a member of the French quote unquote army dressed as a, a Eponine from Les Mis. Yep. <laughs> Eponine, Eponine from yep. Les Mis. And then there is a line pulled from company from a hundred other, uh, another hundred people. Uh, yeah. Um, another hundred people. Damsel Herbert. So those another aren't really guesses. Just, train. Just, uh, I love so that. Good. It's like so good. the best song in the show. It really is. It really is. Um, so good. But yeah, so that is a lot of the fun facts about our music in the show they did a really good job um just in general of sort of like while keeping this like you know the monty python and the holy grail like story Mm -hmm. like really diving deep into this like theater world and yeah i do remember like them making references and things that i had noticed throughout and it's like i'd have to kind of watch it again i think to sort of like hone in on them again um but I was like, oh, that's clever uh, and things like that. And so, yeah, I, I think they did a really, really good job with this uh, and making it good because it 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 can appeal to both audiences, you know, Monty Python audiences. And even if you don't mm-hmm. know Mon- Monty Python, if you're just like a theater goer, you can still enjoy it and laugh because it's funny anyway. But then also get these like very niche jokes that like, a traditional Monty Python person who's not a Broadway person, but who came to see it might not get those jokes, but they're still going to get all of the other, you know, stuff. Yeah. Anyway, I think they did a good job of like melding these two worlds. Yeah. I don't say Eric Idle is a genius lightly. (laughs) He is genius. Um, Comedy gold. But so one of the things that we talk about all the time, you always mention um when things come to broadway you should always ask like why now why here and sometimes the answer may be as simple as things are bad and this is good <laughs> like yeah. it's just it's what we need in the world so what are what are your thoughts on on that yeah um i actually mentioned this to my dad uh too because you know we talk about this a lot and i think that the listeners if if anyone's been listening for a while or just anybody who knows me knows you know I do like to dive deep into things and I like there to be a meaning and I like things to be important um and I like to to really dive into that and I want there to be some kind of like lesson not always but it's like I like I like to dive into what that is and really analyze a lot of stuff but what was nice in coming and watching this and you know in a lot of the stuff you know my my January has been very busy I've been lucky to be able to see some amazing shows but I've been very busy in with you know tax time stuff at work and then working on the show that I'm working on which has just been um stressful and just a lot of work and so um and just trying to like have a social life and all the other crap that I'm trying to do right so it's just and and this right (laughs) so Mm -hmm. here we are I'm trying to do you know so much and it's just been very busy and hectic and so it was really really nice to in this week of like seeing a bunch of shows and running around and having rehearsals and doing all these things um, and not getting a lot of sleep to just be able to go and sit and laugh and enjoy and not have to think too hard about anything 
um, it was really, really nice. And so do I want 27 Broadway shows that are just like that? Like, no, because I would get bored. Um, do I think right. that there's definitely a place for shows like that? Always, yes. Um, but particularly right now, and especially coming from some of the shows that I have worked on or or have seen recently or that we've had on, you know, I've been thinking about some of these heavy shows, you know, I worked on the Scottish play Macbeth um, and that's very heavy and it, it is one of my favorite Shakespeare shows but it is very heavy um, and Leopoldstadt which was incredible but heavy and got bomb threats to that theater because mm-hmm. of um, having Jewish uh, like being about a Jewish family and then you know we got the protesters outside of parade which I worked on um and like screaming at audience members as they were coming in and, and things like that. And so it's just, you know, some of these really, really heavy things um, that we've seen, it's, I think that they're all really important and I have loved them. And, you know, if I walk out of a show like crying, you know, I, I don't think of that as a bad thing. I think of that as a good thing, but it's still really nice to sometimes just be able to go and laugh. And especially if you look outside of the theater space and Broadway, and you just look at things that are happening in the world and especially, you know, what's happening with Israel and Gaza and all of, all of that. And then the stuff that we deal with every day here in the U S of, you know, young black people dying and um, incarceration rates that are through the roof and, people who I keep watching these documentaries on, you know, all these drastic miscarriages of justice in this country. And then you think of like murder and sexual assault and all of these, all of these things. Right. And I don't want to harp on this too long, but it's one of those things, like so many horrible things are always happening in the world that we're always dealing with. And people are just crappy. You know, sometimes you just end up dealing with crappy people and it's like, Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just need something light and fun that's not heavy that you can just laugh at and enjoy and escape from all of the horrors of the world for, you know, 90 minutes or two hours or two and a half hours or whatever it is, however long it is. And I think that this is one of those shows that really helps people to do that because it really can relate to so many different people and it's just fun and funny um and there's the low humor jokes and there's the high humor jokes and there's you know a lot of different things and you're just watching just from like an actor's standpoint or like a a performer like seeing all the different characters that a lot of these actors are playing like and just being amazed by the talent and um the strength the stamina for them to to just keep going and going and going and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, I'm really glad I'm, I'm sure whoever else did it um, was great, but I love Alex Brightman and you know how badly I wanted to see him in this. And we yeah. saw what his second show <laughs> or second or third yeah. performance, like coming into it. And I just love him so much because he's so funny and big. And that's one of the things is like, he can just go and go and go. And I, you know, was lucky enough I was lucky enough to be backstage at Beetlejuice at a particular performance where it was Christmas Eve and they had a not a great audience. It was full, but they were not reactive. They were not a reactive audience. And even just listening to what was happening and Alex coming backstage and he, and other actors too, but like, because his dressing room was right, right there and, and he is the type of personality that he is. He's like, oh my God, are they sleeping? I feel like they were all having a get together and we are like interrupting them by performing (laughs) this show. Like they're not reacting at all. And it was like, apparently everybody was really enjoying it. They just happened to have like a really quiet, like not loud audience. And so like they were getting ready for midnight mass. They weren't like, it was a matinee. (laughs) (laughs) The afternoon. Like, yeah, right. They're like ready to nap. So that they could go to midnight mass. Right. 
but like even with that he still had all of this energy going out and you know Beetlejuice is such a an energetic show too but watching him and doing all of these parts and this I was like oh I knew he was going to be incredible and all of the accents and all of the different like mm-hmm. dialects and things that he was doing um and all of them really but um I just love Alex Brightman so much so it was just so great to be able to see him and to see them all really doing what they're doing and um, really enjoying it and having fun because there are a lot of things, you know, like when I worked on Parade, it was one of the things that Ben Platt had asked to have his dressing room painted pink so that he could totally separate his space when he was in his dressing room and 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 having his calm down time separate from the heavy time that he was spending on stage being in this part and so you know that it's nice to see a show and, and while I love a heavy drama and even as a performer I love to do a heavy drama all of that emotion um is like, it's kind of therapeutic to do it in a way. Um, It can be really, really taxing. And so it's kind of nice to see uh, a cast that can just like have a good time and perform and be enjoying themselves even in all of that they're doing. And so, um, so yeah, I think it's beneficial for the audiences. I think it's beneficial for the actors. I think it's, um, it's one of these shows that we just sort of need right now because there's so much going on in the world. And I'm glad that it's, that it's here and we're able to sort of just enjoy it. And even with that, they're doing, you know, good things with it. The um, They have a very diverse cast. Um, we have a, a, a Black leading man for a character that is kind of iconic, if you think about it, like the King Arthur and Camelot canon, where people- Not everyone so can play King Arthur like I did. So- <laughs> But like when people think about it, it, it's something that you're not going to find a lot of people who you're like, oh, who's King Arthur? And they're like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Never heard of him before. You know, people know the Knights of the Round Table and things like that. Even if they don't know the specifics, it's one of those things that is just kind of part of the canon of having ever taken an English class, I feel like, or even a history class. Or Um, being alive in the world. Or just exactly you know, existing and, yeah. and watching friggin' Disney movies or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. There's, you know, references to all of this stuff. And so um, this is a character that is so easy for the people who are always like, oh, well, this has always been played by a white person. It always needs to be a white person. It is so easy to have that argument with a character like this. Um, and so I think the fact that we have James Monroe Eagleheart here doing this character um this such a well-known strong character as a as a strong black man is really beautiful to see right now um and so that i think is really really nice um and it and this also is like his first big leading role too and he's so yeah. iconic as a as an actor too yeah like i know him better than i know most people on broadway and he's not even had a lead role until now having galahad and king arthur be black they can have more of these really funny jokes when they have the whole like french scene where they start calling them the knigets and they like have that whole scene where they're like what'd you say what it's like you can't do that with a white person playing king arthur and that adds like a whole other element of comedy to it like that you don't see in every show and so and like because i I knew that scene i knew it from monty python and it was not nearly as funny in monty python as it was in spamalot because like, they really, so. they highlighted it, even though that was mm-hmm. never, I don't think that was ever the intention of it in the writing of it initially. You're, he's yeah. clearly, but when you're looking at a couple of Black actors on stage and you say something like in that sim- similar, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I'm sorry, what? And I think that they handled it really really well and really addressed it because you have to you always have to address it and so I think that that's a good um a good on the director Josh Rose who I've worked with before and I think is a fantastic director and is literally like hopping around directing everything now I feel like every (laughs) time I turn he's directing something new and it's not even all in New York he just directed a production of well not just I get last year last summer I think it was he or fall whatever 
directed a production of Cabaret down in Florida. And he, you know, I worked with him on a reading and he just directed something last year for, um, for, uh, uh, encores at city center. And so then he's doing this. And so he, you know, he's all over the place doing a bunch of stuff, um, directing and choreographing. And so I think like good on him for, for really making that choice to, to address it. And I think that that, um, is is something that you have to really be a good director and really be paying attention to what the world at large which i think sometimes people want to live in the bubble of the show but the bubble yeah. of the show exists within the world still right um and so we have to sort of acknowledge things in that way too yeah. um and do it uh, from a place of knowledge because I've definitely seen there be, this is like another side tangent, but um, a playwright that I know uh, has another playwright like friend that she works with and they they work together on stuff and they're working on writing some like screenplay type stuff. And um, they were talking about something, uh, but they're writing, you know, this part for these people that are like in their you know, mid thirties, like late twenties to mid thirties. Right. And she's talking about, she wanted to add uh, something about Krav Maga. And she asked me, and so she's an older person and the person that she writes with is even older. So they're not millennials by any stretch, but they're writing about these people and, and, and you can write about whoever, but so she's like, asking people of my age and around you know young people do you know what Krav Maga is because she had like looked it up and found it and I was like oh yeah, I know what that is like I learned that from Gilmore Girls you know like and but the other woman that she writes with was like arguing really strongly with her about using Krav Maga because she was like oh no people are going to see that and they're going to think MAGA but I'm like no, oh, nobody no. who knows what one you don't pronounce it like that, and two, right. nobody who actually knows what Krav Maga is is gonna think that. No, and, and then she's like, "Well, no one is gonna know what that is." I'm like, "From Gilmore Girls, oh, people are gonna <laughs> know what that is." Like, and it's been referenced in show, you know, other shows and yeah. stuff. Like, it's it part of the common vernacular, and even somebody who doesn't know what it is, I think they can. I think you, in context, you would be able to figure it out. Like it's something else like Taekwondo, like karate, like these things that we do know these terms for. And it's something more like that, you know? And it's so, it's interesting to like, to see these different sides of when you're trying to think too hard about what's happening in the world and not mm -hmm. wanting to associate with it. And yeah. so, yeah, it's just interesting. But anyway, I think they did a good job of, Addressing Absolutely. that in this for sure. It was so funny. Yeah. Um, and I mean they're both just I had never seen Nick. Is it Nick Palick? Is that is that his name? Palick? Walker. Nick Walker. Walker. Is that that must be another Nick. There's another one that I recently saw the name. So Nick Walker and James Winter Eagle Heart are both great actors. I've never seen Nick Walker in anything else, but they everyone in the either. show was incredible. Um but oh gosh, what was I about to say? I had something else I was gonna say. Oh, uh, but speaking of the people in the show, like that was one thing is I kept losing them until they came back up again. And I know like, like I've seen the original. I understand that they play multiple characters in Monty Python, but it's a film also. So like when they're all traveling, like as a pack of knights and uh, King Arthur, they're all there. And at one point, like when Alex Brightman goes to like play the um, French guy, French I was guy, like, where yeah. did Lancelot go? I was like, what is, isn't he supposed to be here like it was i had a lot of confusing moments and then i was like oh yeah i have to think about the fact that they're on a stage and not recording scenes separately so they're yeah. not going to be in all the scenes that you would expect them in um and it wasn't well, done that was poorly it was just that i noticed too yeah even as somebody who is used to seeing stuff like that i totally noticed that too and was like wait why are there like two of them yeah <laughs> And they did it because they wanted to keep in the spirit of the original Pony Python, like, yeah. scene and, like, you know, that's that's how Eric Idle set it up. So, like, they did it that way for a reason. But it, yeah, it threw me off a few times. Um, so I do have a 
few more fun facts for you while we're here. Um, there was supposed to be a film version coming out um, because they just wanted to keep making money, I think. But they had been working on it, um, I think, right before COVID. And then COVID happened. But then in 2021, they were going to pick it back up. And they had Casey Nicolau, who did the choreography for the mm -hmm. show um, and has done other things in the first time I've heard their name was going to be the um, director for the film. But two of the former Monty Pythons said no. They did not say who they were, but I think Terry Gilliam and Terry, and Terry Jones, Terry Gilliam and Terry Jones, both had very mixed feelings when Spamalot first came out. So I would hedge to bet it was those two. But in the end, I mean, everyone ended up okay because they made over a million dollars off of it so they got over their hesitancies about it being released um but because they had gotten so far into production of like how like then started like producing it but they'd already like he had started writing the screenplay and they had started casting ideas um so for king arthur they were planning to cast benedict cumberbatch which thing feels like the incorrect choice he's a great actor i love him this is not where i would have placed him he would not have made it anyways because he was working on dr strange at the time mm, and okay. so it came out like by the time they got back to it after covid and everything so he was busy for the best um they were going to cast peter dinklage as patsy which oh. would have been really great he would because he's funny. also really funny he's so funny um no but and... you know what i would rather see peter dinklage in one of the like i almost feel like you're expecting to see peter dinklage as the like what do you call him um like sidekick yeah or like the the guy serving the other mm -hmm. guy you know like i want to see peter dinklage did you ever as... see spy Lancelot no I did not he plays like the rich cool guy I think he ends up being a bad guy in the end but he's like the one in charge in the end so he was really funny in that um but I could but see like, it because I think he has so I many similar Peter... to Chris Fitzgerald yeah okay I just want to see I want to see him as like Lancelot who's also very funny yeah but he like could also do Lancelot He's been in a lot of different roles. I feel like I've just yes, seen him. In a, like, I haven't seen good. Game of Thrones. So I don't picture him in whatever he is of Game of Thrones. But I've seen him in so many random things that like, like Spy, this movie that is, it's with Melissa McCarthy. It's like a spy comedy and all this stuff. So he could probably play any role you wanted him to. Oh, probably. But he's also just so funny. And yeah. so I always He has him. really good timing. Exactly. Um, and then for Lady you of the should Lake, watch, you should watch Game of Thrones just for him. I truly. really one day I will. Um, the Lady of the Lake, they wanted to ca cast Tiffany Haddish, which she also came out with like 75 movies that year. Um, she was in Girls Trip, she was in um, What Men Want or What What Men Think or something. Um, she was literally like in five or six movies that year. Yeah, you'd recognize at least five things she was in. <laughs> like, I don't she, think I, I saw feel like she any came, of these movies. I feel like she came out of nowhere, and then was in was everywhere. Um, let's see what she was in. Yeah, I'm looking um, at some just her most like recent stuff, her most well known stuff, and I didn't see any of them, but I do recognize her like just from seeing her around. I guess. Yeah, I mean, she's been so in I so many random. I don't things. have an opinion on that because I don't. I haven't seen any of these. She is very funny, so she would be funny at it. And I I say this with all the love in my heart for Tiffany Hatch because I always enjoy a movie she's in she plays the same role in every movie and it's a mm. great role but it's the same one and 
so she'd be fine in it but i probably wouldn't cast her just because there's again like 75 other things she came out in that year that were the same so that would be my only hang up but yeah we so have a lot of there's a lot of actors like that that and then you always wonder like is this the only thing you can do is this just typecasting or is it you did it really good once and so everybody just keeps bringing you back to do the same thing and so that's Mm -hmm. kind of a bummer thing about being really good in like one part is that you tend to get typecast into that same thing over and over again and it's like I think that was like that's one of the biggest things about a lot of these young actors who end up doing like big um, film franchises like Daniel Radcliffe with Harry Potter. And he really just wanted to like step out of the Harry, even though he had done some stuff before Harry Potter, like as, as a child. Yeah. Once he spent 10 years playing Harry Potter, he was like, I need to step out and went and did Equus, you know, and it was just (laughs) like, I'm going to do something that's so opposite and so sometimes you just need to do that to show people because yeah. they're only ever going to see you as this thing. And I think that's one of the things that like Robert Pattinson has been trying to do is like, stop calling me that yeah. guy from Twilight. Like, but look even at these so like before that, that do. he was that guy from Harry Potter. Like I, I'm not on yeah. the Robert Pattinson train. I don't know if he's going to, I'm not, I don't know if he's going to do it for himself, but you absolutely have to do something like that when you. And like, like you said, Daniel Radcliffe, he did Equus and then he did Woman in Black, like, mm-hmm. and then he went and did Broadway. Like, he's just, he is definitely, yeah. um, and Rupert Grant and Emma Watson have both tried to do similar things. Like Rupert Grant has a really big role in um, M. Night Shyamalan TV show, but he also stepped away for a while. And so just is what it is. Um, but yeah, absolutely. So a couple other facts for you. Um, the intro in the very beginning of the show where he's like, let your phones ring willy nilly and make all kinds of noise. Oh, wait, just kidding. That was recorded by Eric Idle and they it's played over every production. So that's okay. fine. So he's always has his little touch on there, which is nice. That's um, fun because a uh, fun fact for you that you might not know, some shows do that pre-recorded every time. And some shows have like the production stage manager um actually say it live every single night and so it just kind of depends on the show i did know that i I don't remember what show i learned that in but i did know that um but yeah girl from north country our production stage manager said it every night maybe that's when i learned it maybe you told me that when we went to it oh maybe so um yeah well I i think that's such a nice touch um yeah i think that's cute random fun fact um, the most random person that I could have found to play Patsy was Drew Lachey. <laughs> Interesting. I have never heard of him doing theater, so I'm not sure how it went, but he did indeed play Patsy at, at some moment. Well, wasn't Drew Lachey in Charmed for a while? Wasn't he one of the love interests of Alyssa Milano's character? Was he? I think so. So I think he's acted before, but I don't know, like, let me tell you, as a stage actor, raised as a stage actor, trying to step into doing, like, film work and TV work is a very different experience. Um, And I've seen that from the other way around also, you know, so I've worked with some Mm -hmm. big TV and film actors that doing on stage stuff, like, is uh, very challenging you know, walking and talking, and it sounds stupid when you say it, but it's like, you know, moving and talking at the same time is like not something that you usually do on film, but it right. is, it is common and on stage. And so it's, it's very different. And just like having the, like knowing how to, to work around that is like a whole thing. Yeah. It, uh, he's been in some movies and TV shows. I'm not seeing him on here that doesn't mean he wasn't but it's just not in his initial credits that i'm looking at but like the shows he's been in like lachey's bar and newlyweds and dancing with the stars so like they're not not known for acting um oh and he played mark in rent oh i didn't even see that yeah so it was nick lachey that was on charmed oh whatever they're the same person i know 
But yeah, so I did not realize he did theater <laughs> or really acted like a person. Um, so this is something we've talked about a lot of times where Vegas usually cuts down shows. Um, yes. For timing. So it actually minutes. gets cut. Right. So it cuts it to 90 minutes. And the shows, the four of the things that are cut are the song All for One. Mm, Most okay. of the song for Runaway. Um, the Knights of Knee. And the guard oh. scene. I know, like, it's so funny, but I guess it doesn't have as much result. Like, it doesn't have as much determining factor. Offended. But... I'm offended. <laughs> I know. I knew you were going to hate that. Um, I love that. But scene. yeah, so it's so funny. I love the guard scene. It's so fun. Yeah, it's like so funny too. underrated. I feel like it's so just like there. But yeah, I don't know. I just, I can't stop laughing every time. Um, so when they originally did this, they were given a Guinness Book World Record for the largest coconut orchestra. And <laughs> it was only beaten years later by cast and crew again in another situation. But they like were on the streets doing coconut orchestras and stuff. And they like it was not a obviously not a world record until they did this thing and then they were like this is insane and the Guinness was like yep that should probably go in the book guess we'll put that one in there so it's just wild interesting um they also were on um royal mail stamps they're one of eight musicals to have had royal mail stamp because that's cool everyone I guess in the world. Um, Wait, I want to know what all eight were. Do you have all eight? I need to know. Eight. I'm ready. It was Oliver, Blood Brothers, okay. We We Will Rock mm. You, Monty mm. Python Spam a Lot, um, Billy Elliot, Return to the Forbidden Planet, Me and My Girl, and Rocky Horror Show. How odd! What a combination, right? Like I like Oliver. Sure, makes sense. Every other one, <laughs> I don't really understand. But yeah. Hmm. Fascinating. Okay. There was also some uh, lawsuits, as you can imagine, that came along with the show. Um, I'm ready. I'm sure that's shocking to no one. Yeah. But he cleared everything with the Pythons and mm-hmm. paid them out. And then later it was found out that the producer of Monty Python and the Holy Grail was never credited or acknowledged. And so they all ended up having to pay him 800,000 pounds each in a settlement. And so what they did was they put on Monty Python live, mostly. And <laughs> that was so they could earn enough money to pay back Mark Forstater. Forstater. I don't know how to say his name, but the producer of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Wow. Um, so that was, I thought that was really funny. Um, and my last fact for you is that the line where in the very original show, Sarah Ramirez sings about having no award. So this is, I think the, where did my part go? Or is it, what's the name of the song? I already forgot the name of the song. Oh, what happened to my part? What happened to my part? And so originally Sarah Ramirez sang about having no awards and all this and that, but then she won an award. <laughs> she won the Tony and they won the Grammy for the music. And so the next person who came on after her sang it as um, with my predecessor winning all the awards. <laughs> and then as it, as it went on, they were like of me winning the Grammy or of me winning all the awards. And so that line is just kind of like ever changing depending on who's in the role and kind of what they're singing about. Um, so I found that really funny. I always, I always like things like that. Well, I did think that there, I or I wondered, I guess, if there were moments that really were open to improvisation because there really was like- It really seems like it, right? Uh, and it, it wonder, it, well, it makes me wonder because sometimes actors just find moments to improvise Mm -hmm. and sometimes there are moments that it's like 
written or very like specifically for them to improvise or like things where it's like they'll say something specific but then you can kind of change it to something else specific depending on the time or whatever and so like like when we saw it and it was like right before he left and so like she's like singing whatever and she just goes michael you're yeah (laughs) and so i'm like oh i wonder if she does that all the time or if she's doing that because like this is his last week in the show or like think like i know that alex brightman in beetlejuice used to a lot like improv and ad lib a lot of his little bits um in parts of the songs and stuff just as he right go yeah so it's very it's funny when they're when you're able to give actors who have really good um comedic tendencies like that to to be able to do things like that um and so that was really yeah nice. I, I feel like she probably just picks a name every night whether it's and probably because he was about to leave is why she picked michael yuri but i bet she just like can pick one and it seems like there's so many of specifically the lady of the lake scenes that felt like they were improv because they were more recent or because they were you know just so off the wall that it's like i don't yeah. think that was written for <laughs> but it was uh it was funny every time um yeah so that is all of my fun facts for you so do you have any final thoughts about spam a lot before we wrap it up um i just think it was a really really fun show um and really entertaining i'm glad we were able to see it i'm glad i was finally able to see it i need what happened to my part to be my (laughs) new audition song for any time I'm going to audition for anything. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so hard. I was just talking to a friend when we just saw Once Upon a Mattress, Um, finding a good audition song where you can sing just 16 or 32 bars and really get the opportunity to show a little bit of range and show a little bit of acting and all of this stuff. Like you can do that in a full song, but so there are so few songs that allow you that whole, you know, build right and so I think that that would be one that you could do in like a in a small chunk of it um but I also wanted to take this moment to read James Monroe Eagleheart's bio to everyone who doesn't get the (laughs) opportunity to see this show because it is hilarious to me because it is so different like I was just complaining the other day (laughs) about people who list in you know a, a lot of actors, uh, especially on Broadway, who have been um, in a lot of things will just sort of list all of the things that they've been in. And what drives me crazy is sometimes I'm like, I, I want to know who they played and they won't say their role. They'll just say that yeah. they were in it. And I'm like, wait, but I'm trying to like, I think I saw that I'm trying to place you. I'm not sure whatever. Right. Um, and so that drives me crazy. Or like there's things uh, my friend's dad made a comment when we saw Merrily We Roll Along that he was like, oh, the Harry Potter kid doesn't list Harry Potter in his bio because why would Daniel Radcliffe need to list <laughs> Harry Potter in his bio? You either right. know he's from Harry Potter or you don't, right? And so, right. Um, but anyway, generally speaking, even in community theater bios, uh, they're a little bit more, you know, she did this, he said that, whatever, but they're a list of things that you might have seen them in, right? But anyway, this is my new favorite bio. <laughs> James Monroe Eagleheart, King Arthur, has done Broadway shows, television, and three movies. Yet what he really wants to know is, why are you reading this playbill when you could be talking with the person you came with? You can't talk during the show, so talk now! All your Broadway trivia, how many shows you've seen, whether or not you should go to the bathroom now or, you know, at an admission. Because once the show starts, he wants you concentrating on his brilliant performance. If you're by <laughs> yourself, never mind. Thank you for coming and please scream louder for James than Nick Walker. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason why it's so entertaining to me also is that I always spend time when I get to a theater, like sitting and reading the playbill. Mm-hmm. But I very rarely go to a show with somebody who's not somebody that I spend a good chunk of my life with because <laughs> who do I see shows with? Mainly you and my dad, mm-hmm. who I live with. And also, like, it's funny when I tell people, like, oh, 
see a show with my dad. And they're like, oh, because I'm in my 30s, right? They're like, oh, that's so sweet. You're going to spend time with your dad. I'm like, oh, yeah, I live with him. And when I see that he's home, I'm like, hi, dad, how are you? How was your day? What are you doing? What's with your life here? I want to let me tell you about everything that's happened in my life since we talked yesterday. <laughs> because that's just the kind of relationship we have. And he goes, okay, let me pause my TV show because my daughter is going to talk for an hour at me about all the yep, things that are correct. happening. <laughs> at least, at least an hour. Yes. And when people are texting me and they're like, uh, what happened to you? And I'm like, oh yeah, no, I was just upstairs saying hi to my dad and saying hi to my dad turned into some kind of rant for like an hour and a half. And now I'm back. It's fine. Mm -hmm. It's fine. Yeah. But, Every uh, time. yeah. So do I need that time to talk to you and my dad? No, I absolutely no, don't. Absolutely not. <laughs> Although to be, to be fair, this is the one show that I think we talked to each other the most before it started because you were like stretching and we were trying to stand oh, yeah. out of the way. <laughs> so we were like stretching and leaning and talking. And this is probably the time we've talked to each other the most before a play has started. And I didn't even read that note. So I know because usually, welcome, well, James. we did that also is we do usually re, you know, we'll talk at dinner before we go or mm -hmm. drinks or whatever before we see a show. Uh, my dad and I will do the same thing. Um, and talk in the car on the way or talk, you know, as we're walking, you and I do that too. And so mm -hmm. it's like all of these things. And even when I would go see, you know, it's like you very rarely, uh, I didn't actually read the playbill. You're welcome, James. I didn't read the playbill when we were at um, uh, Once Upon a Mattress, because again, I was with somebody that I don't usually see. We <laughs> met them at the theater. And so I was actually able to like chat with my friend uh, my dad's friend from high school will come and see shows periodically throughout the year on Broadway. And sometimes we get to go see them with them. And her daughter is like around my age. And so we're good friends. And so usually we put the adults together and the kids together. And so we can chat a little bit. Um, but yeah, otherwise it's like people that I already know my whole life story and I've already told them everything every single day. Yeah. So it was just very entertaining to me, this, this bio. And I thought it was very ironic um, for this moment, but we did talk a lot during that uh, show with my weird side effects from my new medication. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can't just sit still for too long. I have to keep moving right. around, but yeah, yeah. Um, no, it was really fun. And it was really nice to be able to see a show that, yeah, was just able to be like fun. And I was able to laugh and and just really enjoy it and have a good time and not um and not have to think about crazy shit in the world you know yeah yeah it's uh it's definitely good because i always use entertainment as an escape a lot of times it's horror which i understand is not what everyone does but like i don't necessarily need it to be a comedy but i always know that like the rest of the world could be bad at all times like you can't always escape it but theater you can always find something to escape to whether it's and when it's a comedy it's so much easier sometimes so it was the perfect show for the perfect time and it is wonderful that they've brought it back to broadway and i keep telling everyone to ask for it to go on tour so they can go see it <laughs> yeah. so i hope it does um, if you, like me, are interested in all things Monty Python and Eric Idle, um, let me tell you, I am currently listening to his autobiography called Always on the Bright, uh, Always Look on the Bright Side of Life, and it's so far hilarious. I'm only a couple hours in, but it is hilarious. And also, there is a documentary that I have not seen yet, but it is on the history of Spam a lot, and it, it's from, it was a special edition of the South Bank show. And it features numerous segments with Eric Idle and John DePrez explaining the process of writing the songs, interviews with UK and US cast members, and includes scenes from the rehearsal of the West End show. Um, it came out in 2006. So I don't know where you can find it, but if I find it, I will drop a link in the notes below. Um, if not, good luck. And I hope you find it so you can watch it. Um, in the meantime, Noelle, tell them where they can find us. You can always find us on our website at, uh, not at anything, www.unseenartists.org. Um, we put stuff up on there and you can see what we're doing. Um, there's also links to our social media, but you can go directly to our social media. 
at unseen artist org. Make sure that's a singular artist. Uh, and you can find us, yeah, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, TikTok, all the places. We'll have things there eventually. Follow us now, and then you'll get the first, uh, the first TikTok things that when uh, my. 33 year old ass figures out how to use TikTok. And uh yeah, and then you can email us. You can always just email us directly because that's easy if you don't want to just message us via social media, which is also a way to get a hold of us, or there's a contact sheet on the uh on the website, but you can just email us directly info at unseenartists.org. Um, and we're always there if you want to, uh, you know, suggest some things for us to talk about, suggest some things for us to see, tell us about things you're doing, tell us you want to come on the podcast and talk to us about stuff, give us stuff to read and to think about. Um, we love all of that. So yeah, um, send all the things our way and yeah, because if you have feelings, we want to know them. Um, I think that's it. That's it. And on that note, I'm Courtney. And I'm Noelle. And we are unseen artists. Bye-bye.